Hey, welcome once again. This is Elle at Iron Dove. Dialogue is the key to form. Access is the key to dialogue. At Iron Dove, you can find both. Come on down, talk it up, and let's see what we can figure out. The Associated Press reported today uh, a story out of Madison, Wisconsin. A state lawmaker worried about recent string of deadly school shootings suggested arming teachers, principals, and other school personnel as a safety measure and a deterrent. It might not be politically correct, but it has worked effectively in other countries, Republican Representative Frank Lassie said yesterday. Israel and Thailand have well-trained teachers carrying weapons and keeping their children safe from harm, he said. It can work in Wisconsin. It's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I mean, imagine. Let's see. Lassie said he planned to introduce legislation that would allow school personnel to carry concealed weapons. He stressed that it would hinge on school staff members getting trained and acknowledged he would have to work around a federal law that bans guns on school grounds. The director of school safety for Milwaukee Public Schools, Pete Pachowski, opposed the idea. Well, thank goodness for Pete. We have problems in our schools, but not to the point where we need to arm our teachers and our principals. Yeah, I should hope not. You know something? We have a federal law banning guns on school grounds for a reason. Now, everybody knows that people specialize in areas of their expertise, and we hope that teachers are specializing in teaching and not specializing in security. Anyway, I've been doing some research about the whole school violence thing because I think in order to understand what the heck's going on, we need to see where the violence is coming from. The Center for Disease Control reported in 2006 that nearly 50% of the homicide perpetrators in school situations gave some type of warning sign prior to the event. Of those who committed a homicide, 20% were known to be victims of bullying and 12% had expressed suicidal thoughts. Okay, so 50% are obviously indicating that there's a problem. The U.S. Department of Education and Department of Justice reported that 20% of all public schools experience one or more serious violent crimes, rape, sexual assault, robbery, and aggravated assault. A national study on delinquency and prevention in schools done by Godfordson Associates determined that 21% of middle junior high schools reported violence with weapons and only 9% of violent crimes against teenagers in school were reported to the police. Only 9%. That's not a heck of a lot. Hamilton Fish Institute report entitled Guns in Schools suggests there are a hundred times more guns in the hands of children attending American schools than are currently reported. However, the American Youth Policy Forum determined that youth are far more likely to be victimized by violence than to commit violence. And the U.S. Department of Education reported that students are twice as likely to be victims of serious violent crimes away from school than as at school. Younger students, 12 to 14 year olds, were more likely to be the victims. A Gun-Free School Act report indicates that 57 percent, that's 5-7, 57% of expulsions for bringing firearms to schools involved high school students, 33% junior high school students, and 10% elementary school students. That's pretty scary. Why would kids need to bring weapons to school? That's the question. Well, as I said before, 20% of all public schools experience violent crimes. That's a big number, 20%. 17% of high school girls have been abused physically. of high school girls have been abused sexually. 71% 
of 13 to 14 year olds say that sexual violence and other physical violence is very or somewhat big concern for them and their peers. Of uh, children in 6th through 10th grade, 1 in 6 are victims of bullying each year. That's uh, three, over 3.5 three million. Nearly 60% of the boys who researchers classified as bullies in 6th grade through 9th were convicted of at least one crime by the age of 24. Over 70% of school resource officers felt that aggressive behavior in elementary school has increased in their districts in the past five years. Over 87% of these officers reported that the number of crimes that occur in school campuses nationwide are underreported. The reason being they believe that administrators, faced with their school's possibility of being labeled as, quote, persistently dangerous, will result in school crimes being underreported. In a 2001, 39% of public school districts had alternative programs for about 613,000 at-risk students. These are students who are at risk of failing core curriculum, reading, writing, arithmetic, social studies, that sort of thing. States with highest rates of dropout and suspension have overall the highest rates of juvenile incarceration. Now, that makes one think about the whole problem with education in general. 85% of all juveniles who interface with the juvenile court system are functionally illiterate. More than 60% of all prison inmates are functionally illiterate. Literacy and crime are so closely related that the Department of Justice states that, a quote, the link between academic failure and delinquency, violence and crime is welded to reading failure. Over 70% of inmates in America's prisons cannot read above the fourth grade level. 80% of violent juvenile and adult prisoners were raised in violent homes. 75% of high school dropouts have a history of abuse in their families. The majority of students who are incarcerated have very weak academics and attendance habits in eighth grade, but do not become incarcerated until ninth grade. A study conducted in uh, 2000 found that school size is positively correlated with the concentration of student violence and student crime in a given district. Small schools on average experience 29 to 40 percent fewer incidences of violence than do larger schools with more than a thousand pupils. Yesterday, the Associated Press reported that President Bush said Renewing the No Child Left Behind law will be a priority for him next year, but he acknowledged that the law isn't working well for parents as it should. Interestingly, he doesn't say anything about it working for students, which, you know, you wonder about that one. Anyhow, the Civil Rights Project, Harvard University, reported that uh, students who are at risk for dropping out of school may need a new educational environment that includes more attention and positive reinforcement combined with clearly articulated and enforced behavioral expectations. Some of the things they suggest are alternative schools like smaller schools within schools, getting these kids mentors, mentoring programs, allowing for specific attention and counseling, and also a proactive attendance monitoring program. Current research suggests that dropping out of school is a process rather than a single event and may be caused by one of several factors, high stakes testing and grade retention, zero tolerance policies for school discipline that lead to frequent suspensions and expulsions, 
inadequate funding and resources, and the lack of support from teachers and community. So I guess what I'm getting at here is that I think if you look at the 75% of high school dropouts have a history of abuse in families, and 80% of violent juvenile and adult prisoners were raised in violent homes, then you have to look at neglect and abuse as serious indicators of future behavior. And what is the primary underlying theme of neglect? Nobody's home. Nobody's home. And that goes back to the whole mom job to me. It's not considered an actual job. It's not considered an actual profession. And children are suffering because they're lacking in attention. And violence in general, acting out in general, is a way for people to get attention. In an article on bullying written by Jesse Klein, she quotes a uh, 16-year-old boy, Luke Woodham. He was arrested in Mississippi in 1997 after killing his ex-girlfriend and her best friend at school and his mother a few hours earlier. He was quoted as saying, I'm not insane, I'm angry. I killed because people like me are mistreated every day. Now, she refers a lot of the mistreatment to bullying. And there's no question about it, bullying is a serious, serious problem. And the thing about bullying that is the biggest problem, I think, is that kids are not taught acceptable ways to respond to conflict. And so when there's a conflict, the immediate reaction is revenge and retaliation, which our own government has and continues to use on foreign nations all over the world whenever a conflict arises. It's actually pretty amazing how it's mirrored in our own society and in particular in our children's school systems. And arming our teachers with concealed weapons is the most ridiculous thing I have ever heard of. So I don't have any answers on the whole school violence thing, but I have some thoughts. And my thoughts are obviously overcrowding. And yesterday I talked about that whole concept of corralling kids outside the school like a bunch of animals and then allowing them to enter the building in one big clump and pushing and shoving in the halls. Obviously these kids aren't getting enough attention and they are at risk because of neglect in particular and abuse also that literacy rates and the failure of attaining the understanding of core curriculum probably speaks to their personal feelings about their position in society. And it's been demonstrated that children who are failing in school, drop out of school, or are illiterate, are the most likely to be incarcerated and perpetrate violent crimes. So there you go. There's some of the details. I think the best and quickest way to solve this problem is to make schools smaller, to offer more individualized attention so that teachers really get to know their students, so that adults can really mentor kids who are seriously at risk and need additional attention. It's a no-brainer. It really, really is. And when you have a child who is having difficulty in reading, that child really needs individualized special attention. They need a mentor. They need a caregiver. They need somebody who is going to be there and encourage and support them and not 
have these high stakes tests shoved down their throat where if they don't meet the grade the first time, they're considered a failure. Boom. Goodbye. You're done. That's the kind of thing that encourages kids to drop out. That's the kind of thing that encourages kids to say, well, you know what? I'm no good at this anyway. So what? Nobody else cares about me anyway. So what? My parents aren't paying attention to me anyway. So what? And it's human nature for people to want other people to care about them. These kids are acting out. There is violence because they want attention. They need attention. And they should have the best that we can give them because they are our future. They're not just children in school. They're human beings. And the whole education system seems to somehow forget because you're so busy having these big, giant, centralized high school districts and middle school districts and these giant, over-administrated programs that they forget the basic, simplest thing. They're just people. And people really like it when other people care about them and show it and encourage them and support them and believe in them. It's that simple. Nurture. That's what moms do. That's what schools need to do. And if they aren't doing that, then they aren't doing their job and they are failing terribly a huge percentage of our kids. At least that's what I think. Come on down and let me know what you think. I'd really love to know. Until next time, this is Elle at Iron Dust, signing out.